Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Head Mirrors ENT in a Nutshell. I'm your host, Michael Chang, and today we are fortunate to be joined by Dr. Amar Miglani, a fellowship trained rhinologist and skull base surgeon. Today we will be discussing recurrent acute rhinosinusitis. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Miglani. Thank you for having me, Dr. Chang. To start off, how do patients often present with recurrent acute rhinosinusitis? So these patients, they often complain of recurrent sinus infections. That's frequently their chief complaint. And they describe all the classic cardinal symptoms of sinusitis, nasal congestion, drainage, facial pain. And they often have multiple episodes per year. Frequently, by the time they see me or they get into an ENT's office, they've usually been put on antibiotics multiple times by either their PCP or an urgent care. But a key distinguishing feature for recurrent acute rhinosinusitis compared to other forms of rhinosinusitis is that in between these episodes, they often feel relatively normal. Uh, but of course, during the acute episode, they feel unwell, they feel sick, and it can be frustrating because treatment's often associated with significant costs. Um, and studies have actually shown that the quality of life impact is actually similar to chronic rhinosinusitis patients. Diagnosis of this patient group can be very challenging. Uh, but if you happen to catch them during an acute episode, they will feel miserable. And if you are able to do an endoscopy, their nose will show diffuse mucosal edema, and you can frequently see mucopurulence in the middle meatus. Great. Thank you for that introduction. And is there a formal definition or a, a formal way you define recurrent acute rhinosinusitis? Yeah, um, th there are diagnostic criteria. I, I, I like to think about the formal definition by breaking it down into its individual components. So recurrent, so for this, for this diagnosis, there needs to be a repeated episodes with distinct asymptomatic periods between each episode. The diagnosis requires at least four bouts of acute rhinosinusitis in a one-year span. And four is just an arbitrary number. I think it's in part based on the statistic that the average individual will get one and a half to two and a half episodes of viral rhinosinusitis per year. And then acute implies a time course. So these episodes based on most diagnostic criteria should be less than four weeks. And this is in contrast to chronic sinusitis, which requires symptoms to last longer than a 12-week span. And then if you, if you get in between the four-week and 12-week cutoffs, these patients technically fall into a, a subacute category. And there are varying opinions on what's going on with these subacute patients. Some people feel that it's just you know, an acute bout of rhinosinusitis that lasts longer than four weeks. And others believe that this may be the onset of a patient developing chronic sinusitis. Um, there's no, this is, there's no uh, evidence to support this. This is just my own anecdotal experience, but I've seen patients with acute rhinosinusitis last longer than a four-week span. And actually, the, the European position statement actually has lengthened their time criteria to 12 weeks for episodes of recurrent acute rhinosinusitis. And I'm pretty much in agreement with that notion. And, and then lastly, rhinosinusitis, that refers to the, the symptoms patients experience and the findings on exam and imaging. So the subjective symptoms that they need to have are either nasal obstruction or nasal drainage and facial pain and pressure or smell loss. Um, and then objective findings are either endoscopy or CT scan. They should, they should have evidence of sinusitis. So to summarize, the formal definition is at least four episodes of rhinosinusitis lasting less than four weeks each, characterized by nasal obstruction or nasal drainage, and either facial pain or smell loss, and they need to be asymptomatic between these episodes. Wonderful. Thank you for breaking that down for us. Any idea of the incidence of recurrent acute sinusitis or how common this is? 
it's pretty rare. I, I'd, I'd say the incidence is low. It's definitely lower than chronic rhinosinusitis. CRS is estimated to be between 2 and 10%. There was actually a study done by Bhattacharya, and he looked at an insurance claims database, and he found that approximately 1 in 3,000 adults were affected by a recurrent acute sinusitis per year. But I suspect that this is an underestimation. Um, in, in this study, he defined recurrent acute sinusitis by... Uh, patients that were diagnosed with at least four episodes of acute sinusitis by a healthcare provider, and they were also required to fill an antibiotic prescription within two weeks of the diagnosis. But I think we all we all know that not all of these patients with acute sinus infections are getting in to see their healthcare provider. And secondly, you know, not all patients who suffer from an acute bout of sinusitis actually receive or fill an antibiotic prescription. So I suspect that you know, the actual figure is higher than one in 3,000, but it's still likely less than 1%. And what are some entities that are important to think of on your differential diagnosis for recurrent acute sinusitis? So um, anything that can present with episodic sinonasal symptoms or episodic facial pain is on my differential. Probably the most common thing that I see in patients complaining of recurrent acute sinus infections is headache disorders. So these are your patients with migraines, tension type of headaches, cluster headaches, um, other types of facial pain disorders like trigeminal neuralgia or temporomandibular joint dysfunction. And then there are patients who just have uncontrolled allergies, allergic rhinitis or non-allergic rhinitis, and they have flares in their allergy symptoms. And then lastly, there are patients who could have chronic sinusitis with, with recurrent flares, recurrent acute flares of their chronic sinusitis. What are some risk factors associated with recurrent acute sinusitis? So I, I like to think about the risk factors in context of pathophysiology. So, you know, I think it's useful to think about what's happening in these patients. Um, so I, I think it, ultimately it's, it's an obstruction of their sinonasal drainage pathways, and this leads to a stasis of mucus, which subsequently leads to an infection or an episode of acute rhinosinusitis. So anything that can predispose a patient to obstruction of their drainage pathways um, can be a risk factor. So the two broad categories that I think about are anything that can incite mucosal edema or any anatomic risk factors. And so conditions that can induce mucosal edema are things like immunodeficiency. These patients are susceptible to recurrent viral or bacterial infections, and we know that those things can induce mucosal edema. The most common things being humoral deficiencies like IgA or IgG deficiency. There are some studies that show that um, these recurrent acute rhinosinusitis patients actually are colonized with resistant organisms. And so that may be a risk factor. And then finally, um, it's a little controversial, but allergic rhinitis has been shown to be a risk factor. And so with these things in mind, um, something to consider as an option during the course of, of management of these patients is to consider immunodeficiency testing or allergy testing, particularly if there's a strong history. And then, and then the, other, the other category is anatomic risk factors. So there have been some small studies that have identified various anatomic risk factors for this patient group, things like small infant, infundibular volumes, um, variant ethmoid cells like Haller cells, ex accessory maxillary ostea, concha bullosa, or septal deviations, really anything that can narrow the osteomedial complex can theoretically be a risk factor. And then there, there was one study that showed that even type 2 frontal cells, which is basically 
two or more cells above the agronasi, that could certainly predispose patients to recurrent acute rhinositis. But all these studies uh, looking at anatomic risk factors, they're, they're pretty small sample sizes. And, and so as a result, they're all underpowered. Thank you so much. And what is the role of imaging in your workup for recurrent acute sinusitis? So imaging is not a requirement for diagnosis. Um, the, the European position statement, the EPOS 2020 guidelines, they actually state that, the, that radiographic evidence by CT can be used as objective evidence of an acute episode. And many would agree with this practice. I, I think a common scenario that I encounter is a patient who comes in with a complaint of recurrent sinus infections. Um, and frequently, pain is a primary complaint and their endoscopy looks totally normal. So for these patients, I actually tell them to reach out when they're maximally symptomatic you know, if, the, if, if they come back, they're maximally symptomatic, we scan them. If it's negative, then that at least helps me rule out a diagnosis of recurrent acute rhinosinusitis. And then we can go down other, um, you know, workups like working them up for migraines or other, other headache types of disorders. If it's positive, then, you know, that's useful because it helps me confirm the diagnosis. And um, it can also identify some of the anatomic risk factors that we discussed earlier. And it can also help with surgical planning and inform the extent of surgery. Yeah, that makes sense. I know some people like imaging after uh, treatment for a long time, but that's more typical for chronic sinusitis. And I think it's a key distinction with recurrent acute to get those imaging studies at their maximally symptomatic episodes. And your logic makes perfect sense. So what are the medical treatments recommended in the management of recurrent acute sinusitis? So for medical treatment, I think it's useful to think about what we're trying to achieve with medical treatment. Essentially, what we're trying to do is decrease mucosal edema and inflammation during either an acute bout of sinusitis, or we're trying to decrease the inflammatory burden in a maintenance setting with hopes that you know, if we're able to control sinonasal inflammation, then maybe patients will experience fewer and less severe episodes of acute rhinosinusitis. So for, for acute episodes, um, what's been studied are oral antibiotics, intranasal corticosteroids, and intranasal decongestants. And these have been shown to shorten the duration of symptoms. But a lot of these studies really didn't look specifically at any individual therapy. So it's really difficult to parse out the exact efficacy of each treatment as, as again, a lot of these are heterogeneous and they often employ a combination of these treatments. Um, one note is that there are side effects with antibiotic usage. So I really rely on guidelines for management of acute bacterial rhinosinusitis when considering them. So basically I will use an antibiotic for um, an acute episode that lasts longer than 10 days, or there's double worsening, or patients have severe symptoms. And then for in the maintenance setting, there's even less evidence. So um, there's a few studies looking at intranasal corticosteroid sprays. There was a small study of 20 patients that had a trend towards reducing acute rhinosinusitis recurrences, but this was not statistically significant. And there's also another study that looked at macrolide therapies, and it showed that it could reduce the number of recurrent sinus infections. But the study that I'm referencing, it was done in a pediatric population, and over 80% of those patients had immunodeficiency. So these results may not be generalizable to all recurrent acute rhinosinusitis patients. I also discussed allergy earlier as a factor that could contribute to mucosal edema. So you could consider appropriate management of underlying allergy, an underlying allergy condition that may be beneficial, but I think ultimately further research efforts are needed looking into prophylactic treatment options.
Great. Thank you for reviewing the medical treatments. Now, what are your considerations when you're deciding whether or not to take a patient to surgery to treat their recurrent acute sinusitis? So I think first and foremost, um, it's important to confirm the diagnosis. You want to make sure that these patients are appropriate surgical candidates. Everything we do relies on a correct diagnosis. And so for, for, for these patients, it's four episodes a year of acute rhinosinusitis, you want to ideally capture objective evidence of inflammation during one of these episodes. So once you've, once you've confirmed the diagnosis, uh, I think the main driver is the impact on patient's quality of life. This is a, a quality of life disease. So I think the impact on patient's quality of life is perhaps the most important thing. And this can be assessed using patient reported outcome measures. One of the more popular ones is the sinonasal outcome test 22, the SNOT 22 form. Um, other useful measures are uh, lost work days or reduced work productivity. So if there's a patient that is missing a lot of work or, or, or they feel like, you know, this, this disease is, is, is impacting their productivity, those are the things that you can consider. And then uh, finally, how many courses of, of systemic antibiotics or systemic steroids are these patients receiving over a year span, there can be side effects from both of those therapies. And so that would be something additional to consider. And then from the, from the patient's end, they need to consider the, you know, the risks of surgery and the costs associated with surgery and recovery time. I think you know, ultimately our jobs are, are to present all the information to the patient um, and help them, basically help them make an informed decision. And what are the potential benefits of endoscopic sinus surgery for recurrent acute sinusitis? Uh, perhaps some data to support, you know, a surgical treatment for this disease entity. Yeah. So uh, multiple studies have shown significant improvements in sinonasal specific quality of life. So, you know, improved improvements in um, nasal obstruction, drainage, facial pain and pressure. There, there, it's all, there are also studies that show improvements in overall quality of life. So better sleep quality, improved mood. There's also evidence that supports um, surgery in, in decreasing the amount of medication used. So um, there's, you know, one study showed up to 60% reduction in antibiotic usage. And this number is, is actually similar. Um, endoscopic sinus surgery um, actually has similar improvements for chronic rhinosinusitis. And then um, lastly, there's also been improvements in overall healthcare utilization and fewer lost work days. And this is a, maybe a bit of a controversial question, but how do you determine the extent of sinus surgery you perform on your patients for recurrent acute sinusitis? Um, that's a great question. So th there is, you're right, there's a lot of controversy and variability in practice regarding the extent of surgery. Um, I think in general, you really want to tailor the surgery to the clinical picture. There, there are some providers that will perform balloon sinuplasty, and there is some evidence to support this practice showing lowered symptom scores after balloon sinuplasty, but I think it's questionable whether this actually leads to decrease in medication utilization. I, I tend to perform a limited sinus operation, and I think this is sufficient for most cases of recurrent acute rhinosinusitis. I would say that it, it's probably standard practice for most fellowship trained rhinologists. And, and you know, what is limited sinus surgery? This, this typically entails a maxillary antrostomy, anterior ethmoidectomy, and then addressing anything that could narrow the osteomiatal complex. So performing, you know, something like a septoplasty or a concha bellosa resection.
And then frequently these patients can have, you know, concomitant baseline nasal obstruction. So uh, reducing their turbinates is, is also an option. And then, you know, if a patient has reliably recurrent symptoms in a specific location, like they, they come in and they complain of right forehead pain and pressure, and there's endoscopic or radiographic evidence localizing disease to this region, then you should certainly address those areas. Um, there's a school of thought where some surgeons um, feel like uh, a full FES is indicated with the rationale being that any sinus can become infected and a, a positive CT on one specific day may not be obtaining the full picture of sinus involvement. Um, but I think ultimately the extent of surgery for recurrent acute rhinosinusitis is an area in need of further study. So what are the comparative benefits when looking at medical versus surgical therapy for recurrent acute sinusitis? Uh, that's a, another great question. There, there's actually not a whole lot of data looking specifically at that, but there, there was one really nice study performed by Peter Huang, and his group basically compared symptom outcomes of recurrent acute rhinosinusitis patients that underwent medical treatment, surgical treatment, or who actually crossed over where they started off with medical treatment and then um, they elected to have surgical treatment down the line. And what that study showed is that both medical and surgical treatments provided benefit for recurrent acute rhinosinusitis. It also showed that surgery had a significantly greater reduction in SNOT22 score. So SNOT22 scores uh, got significantly better in the surgery cohort compared to the medical treatment cohort. And actually in the, in the medical treatment cohort, there was a group of patients whose, whose symptom burden worsened and they actually elected to undergo surgery down the line. And those patients actually improved after surgery. So I think, I think the big takeaway is that, Hey, both medical and surgical treatment options, um, can provide a significant benefit. Um, but what we, what we find is that patients who elect for surgery tend to have a better, um, symptom benefits. Thank you so much for all your insights and wisdom on recurrent acute rhinosinusitis, Dr. Miglani. Any final thoughts uh, or anything additional words you would like to add on this subject? Um, no, thanks for having me. I guess my, my concluding thoughts would be just make sure you keep a broad differential when you see these patients complaining of recurrent sinus infections. I think diagnosis is challenging due to the dynamic nature of recurrent acute rhinosinusitis. Um, something that's useful is just being flexible and trying to get these patients in when they are symptomatic. And I think the good news is for, for these patients with the recurrent acute rhinosinusitis is that both surgical and medical treatment options can offer significant quality of life improvements. And then, and then lastly, a good reference um, for folks who are interested in learning more about this disease entity is the ICAR 2021 document. Um, this was published in the International Forum of Allergy and Rhinology. That's all I have, and, and thank you for having me. That's great. Thank you so much for your time. To summarize, the diagnosis of recurrent acute rhinosinusitis requires at least four episodes of sinusitis with asymptomatic periods between each episode. Sinusitis is diagnosed using both subjective symptoms such as nasal obstruction, drainage, smell loss, and facial pressure, as well as objective findings of sinusitis on endoscopy or imaging. Risk factors for recurrent acute sinusitis include immunodeficiency, an anatomy that narrows the osteomedial complex, such as Haller cells, conchobulosas, and septal deviations. Treatment for recurrent acute rhinosinusitis can be both medical and surgical. Medical treatments for acute episodes includes oral antibiotics, intranasal steroids, and intranasal decongestants, and these may also play a role in maintenance medical therapy. Surgical treatment involves endoscopic sinus surgery. 
and these can improve outcomes even more so than medical treatment. Let's move on to the question and answer portion of this episode. I will ask a question and pause for a few seconds to give you time to think before I provide an answer. What are the diagnostic criteria for recurrent acute rhinosinusitis? And what entities must be considered on the differential? At least four episodes of sinusitis with asymptomatic periods in between each episode. Sinusitis is diagnosed both using subjective symptoms as well as objective findings. And objective findings can be defined by endoscopy or imaging for at least one episode. Other entities with similar presentation include headache disorders, such as migraine or cluster headaches, facial pain syndromes, or allergic rhinitis. What medical treatments can be given in the management of acute episodes of sinusitis? Oral antibiotics, intranasal steroids, and intranasal decongestants all play a role in the management of acute sinusitis. What patients are good candidates for surgical treatment of recurrent acute rhinosinusitis? Patients that meet the appropriateness criteria of at least four episodes per year are good candidates for surgical treatment. Surgery can also be considered in patients requiring multiple courses of systemic therapy or those with significant loss of work time and productivity. That concludes today's episode of ENT in a Nutshell. Thanks for listening. Michael Chang, signing off.